Well, Happy New Year to everybody. I am excited and grateful to have you with us today, excited to be with you. Uh, whether you saw the ball drop or whether you were uh, dropped in bed at 9 p.m., I don't know what your story was last night, but hopefully you had a good night with family, uh, friends, maybe some good food, some games, some movies, uh, but grateful that you've taken some time out of your New Year's Day uh, to spend it with us here at West Poles, especially if it's your first time or your first time uh, in a long time. I really can't think of a better way uh, to kick off a new year than to be together as a church family, uh, to worship the Lord, to seek his face, to lift up his name. That's a great way to kickstart 2017. I'm grateful the Lord orchestrated the calendar to where it fits just like that this year for us here at the church. Um, I want to let you know that in a couple of weeks, we're going to be starting a new sermon series called Up. I'm a little nervous and anxious and super excited about this series. I don't want to give away all of the details, but here's the basic gist of, of what the series will be about. Uh, in that series, we're going to be talking about what it means to truly feel God's presence in your life and to hear God's voice. You see, a lot of people, even in the church, struggle with something called secondhand faith. And it's just as dangerous as secondhand smoke. It'll, it'll kill you if you're not careful. But secondhand faith is a faith where you go to church and you know a lot about Jesus, but you don't have an intimate, personal, dynamic relationship and connection to Jesus. You can do a lot of Christian things and yet not really know Christ. And it describes a lot of us where we, really, we don't know the sound of his voice. We don't really reflect the image of his likeness. We don't uh, demonstrate the fruits of his spirit. I mean, think about the words that Jesus used to describe someone who was in connection with him, who had a relationship with him. Words like intimacy, friendship, depth, glory, power. If that doesn't describe you and your walk with Jesus, then you've got to be here for this series. Because we're going to go up. We're going to go up on the mountain and we're going to be with the Lord. And we're going to ask that he change us and speak to us and make us more and more like Christ. I'm excited about that. But for the next two weeks, uh, Pastor Nathan and I wanted to share with you some thoughts uh, to help you kickstart the new year off in the right direction. Let me pray for us, and we'll dive into uh, this morning's lesson. God, we come before you this morning grateful for a new day and a new year, Lord. We want to take this moment and just position ourselves in front of you, God. We want to do uh, put away all of the noise and all the other distractions, all the other things that are a part of our schedule and our lives and our to-do list on this day, Lord. We just want to put that aside. We just want to be with you. We just want to be away from all of the other distractions and chaos. And we just want to sit at your feet, God. We want to see your face. We want to hear your voice. We want to be touched by your spirit, God, because we believe that everything else that we have to do in this life will be different. It will be better. It will be infused with power when we just hear from you, when we see you, when we're with you. And so we pray that now as 2017 begins, that it's a year where we really get to know you a lot better, each and every one of us in this room, whether we've made a decision for Christ uh, ever or maybe we made it. 60 years ago, Lord, we just pray that in this year, we will be with you and we'll really get to know you by name, that we will develop a close, intimate, personal relationship, and that that relationship will change everything else. Make it so now. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 
Well, New Year's Day, if you think about it, New Year's Day is a significant day for lots of different reasons. There's the fact that the earth just made another loop around the sun, kind of a big deal, way to go earth, right? I mean, that's, that's no small thing. Uh, there's the Tournament of Roses Parade, which we have been to before, a great parade in, in SoCal. I encourage you uh, to go. There's important football games on a day like today. And on a day like today, New Year's Day, I get to hang up my new Seattle, Washington calendar. See, every year I get this calendar from Becca's grandparents. They live out there in Seattle, and I think they're secretly hoping that we will move out there someday. So they send me this calendar of all these beautiful images of Seattle. But don't worry, I'm not too impressed. To really get the feel for Seattle, the calendar would have to be dripping wet, right? Like that, that's, really, that's really how it is out there. But more than watching football or, or hanging up a new calendar, uh, as Lori hinted out, New Year's Day and the start of a new year, it provides you with, with a really unique opportunity. An opportunity to look back and reflect on, on all that has happened, the good and the bad over the last 12 months, but also an opportunity to look forward and to kind of chart a course, make some plans, set out who you want to be and, and what you want to do. Right? We call all that New Year's resolutions. How many of you have honestly set out for a couple of New Year's resolutions this year. How many of you have made some New Year's resolutions? All right, six of you. Awesome. Wow. Wow, we need to talk about that. All right, of you six, how many of you have already broken one of your resolutions? All right, okay, a couple of you. Okay. Uh, this video describes my experience with resolutions perfectly. Uh, watch this. Anybody relate to that just a little bit? See, New Year's resolutions, besides the fact that I can never actually keep them, uh, they bother me for another reason. A commitment at the beginning of the year or commitments to eat more healthy or to work out more regularly, to drink more water, to get out of debt, to finally read through the Bible. Uh, those are all really good commitments. But New Year's resolutions... And all the ones I just described, they typically require us to do more and to work harder, right? Resolutions typically mean more effort and more energy. 
And when you do the things you resolved to do, you feel pretty good about yourself and your life. And when you don't do the things you resolved to do, you feel pretty pathetic and pretty bad about your life. And it can actually be a, a pretty vicious cycle, one where you feel rather defeated over time. Like that person in the video, something's got to give, something's got to change. As I think about this church and the upcoming year, what, what do we hope for? What are we praying for? What are we looking to see and longing for in 2017? A lot of different resolutions and commitments come to mind. But to be honest with you, there's only one. There's only one single thing that I want us to do and be about this year. And it's a resolution that probably goes against all other resolutions because it goes against our very culture. Uh, this video clip from my favorite movie in 2016 describes our culture perfectly. Watch this. Coming through. This is Officer McCorn. We got a 1031. I got dibs. Officer Hawks, I am in pursuit. Woo, woo. Uh, I need you to run a plate. Flash is the fastest guy in there. He can run the plate like that. Wait. They're all slots? Are you saying that because he's a sloth, he can't be fast? Flash, flash, 100-yard dash. Buddy, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you, hmm. too. Hmm. Officer Judy Hap, CPD, how are you? I am doing fine. Well, what Hang in there. can I do? Well, I was hoping you could run a For you. Well, I was hoping you Today. could... Well, I was hoping you could run a plate for us. We are in a really big hurry. What's the plate? Two nine T number. Two nine T H D zero three. Two nine T H D zero three. H D zero three. D. Mm -hmm. Zero. Three. Zero. Three. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! Sure. Okay. What do you call a three-humped camel? I don't know. Pregnant. Priscilla. Oh, no! Yes? Flash? What <gasps> do no. you call a three-humped camel? Uh, pregnant! Okay, great, we got it! Please jump. Ah! Hurry, we gotta beat the rush hour in. It's night! I think that's, that scene, it, it describes the DMV pretty Spot on, does it not? But it also describes our culture, if you think about it, right? That, that scene could have taken place in any uh, uh, different number of situations. It could have been the doctor's office, the grocery store, uh, the highway. It doesn't really matter where, because we, as a culture and as, as a world, we worship speed and productivity and efficiency, and we hate to wait. We hate to be forced to slow down. But if you think about it, we as a society, we really glorify being busy, don't we? 
It's almost that that's the standard and the acceptable answer to the question of how are you doing, right? How are you doing? Oh, man, we're busy. Oh, great, us too, right? That's how you answer the question. And we don't really know what to do or to say when someone doesn't fall in line or give us that answer. How are you doing? Oh, we're good. We're actually really good. We haven't done anything for the last couple of weeks, We've just been lounging around, watching, watching TV, hanging out, and we don't have anything on the calendar for at least six, seven more weeks. You wouldn't have a clue what to say to that person, would you? But, uh, mm, mm, okay. We wouldn't know what to do with that. We got Bailey this little activity table several years ago. It's one, you know, it's got all kinds of gizmos and gadgets on it, lights and buttons and stuff. There's just one little pop-up computer screen, this little fake computer screen. And when you push the little button on the computer screen, I kid you not, it sings this song. Busy, 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 there's so much to do. I started thinking, like, she's three. Besides, like, napping and eating her snack, there's nothing she has to do. So I don't think the song describes toddlers very well, but it describes most of us pretty well, doesn't it? Busy, busy, busy. There's so much to do. You know, as I think about it, our lives, uh, they look and they feel a lot like this bin of stuff. This, this looks like my Christmas basket. It's not. It's just a, a basket of life, if you think about it. But this is life for most of us, isn't it? You know, it's like, oh, man, I got some, some work stuff to do. I got to make sure my computer's running fast. I think there might be a little virus on it anyway. I'm kind of upset about that. I've got to change the oil on the car at some point. I'm sorry, honey, I'm supposed to get to that. I know the, the engine light is on. We got to get to that. I'd love to work out at some point. Not sure what I'm ever going to get to that in the house. Gosh, I've got to clean the house. I just haven't cleaned this in forever. There's kids' soccer practice. I don't know when we're going to do that. I've got to paint that part of the wall. I haven't been there for a while. The modem, the internet's down. Why is the internet down? Call somebody, wait on hold for a long. Oh, the dog. I've got to walk the dog more. And I've got to clean up after the dog a lot. And oh, oh, and there's that big presentation I've got. Does that not feel like life? Does that not look like your life? Just nod your head and sympathize with me for a second, okay, just in case... Uh, it doesn't. And although those are, all, those are all good things for the most part, they take up a lot of time, do they not? And a lot of space. And it's hard, if not impossible, to keep all of these things in balance and to, and to run around and put them all in here and then, and then go to the next thing and pick up a few more as you're going. Something's going to give. Something's going to get lost. And that might be your health. Uh, that might be your sanity. But more often than not, when you live in this way, what gets lost, what gets broken, is your connection with the Lord. Or what gets lost is your time with Him. There are a lot of problems with living this way, from feeling like you never do anything well, to feeling like you never actually get ahead, to never being able to do the things you want to do, or never being able to actually relax. When you are pulled in 10,000 different directions, and you add thousands of more things on your plate every day, when you live that way, something's going to give. And more often than not, like I said, it's our time with the Lord. It's like, oh, I know there's some Jesus stuff in here somewhere. There was a diva on oh, my yoga mat, cripes. Okay, well, there's like a, a diva, maybe a worship CD in here somewhere. Oh, there's, a, there's, a, oh, there's, a, there's a spiritual book. Okay, great. See, but for some of us, it's hard. It's hard to find Jesus. It's hard to connect with God when our life looks and feels uh, like this. 
See, last month uh, for our Christmas sermon series, we did something called Gift Exchange. And so grateful for you all coming and, and being here Christmas Eve and, and Christmas Day to walk through that series with us. Thank you, church, for just being such a hospitable, welcoming place over the last few weeks. A lot of folks in this community were so blessed by you. Just so proud of you for doing that. But in that, in that series, what we talked about is how every person in the nativity story, not just the wise men, but every person in that story, they brought a gift to Jesus, a gift of some sort, and they exchanged it for something else. The shepherds, the wise men, Mary, Joseph, everybody brought a gift to God in that moment, and, and in return, he gave them something else, something so much better. And everybody in the story did it, except for one person. There's one person in the Christmas story who didn't go to the gift exchange, who didn't exchange one thing for another. One person in the story of Christ's birth who totally missed out on the opportunity to see God, to know God, and to connect with God. Let me tell you about that person, his story or her stories in Matthew 2. It says this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Side note, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Hopefully we've spent some time reading through this story the last couple of weeks. But the first few lines of that story kind of give us insight into what happens in the rest of the story. The first few lines about this census and this decree, it kind of lays the foundation for everything that's to come. Imagine if this happened in our world today. The President of the United States issued a decree that every single person in the U.S. needed to go back to the hometown of their great-grandparents. You need to go to the hometown of your great-grandparents or wherever your great-grandparents landed. You need to go to that place and you need to stay there so we can literally and physically count you. I think that would send our culture in a little bit of a tailspin. Everybody putting their, their travel plans, their life plans on hold to make travel plans. You've got to find something to do with the dog, and you've got to, you got to lock up the house. You've got to find someone to water your garden. You've got to find somewhere to stay when you get to that town. This is going to be crazy. This is going to be nuts. Everybody going this way and that way. And that's exactly what happened in the first century. One such person who had to do that was a guy named Joseph. He's the earthly father of Jesus, and he's someone who was directly impacted by this census. He had to leave where he lived, a town called Nazareth, and travel to a place called Bethlehem, because that's where his family originated. So he had to take his fiancée with him. And this is a journey, a long journey, about 80 miles. It probably would have taken 34 hours straight of walking. So they throw in a donkey, you throw in a, a nine-month pregnant uh, uh, fiance, this is a long trek. This is a stressful journey. We're talking four or five days of walking eight to nine hours straight a day with a donkey and again a woman in her third trimester. This is tough. And wouldn't you know it, as soon as they arrived, so did the baby. Matthew 2, 6 and 7, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. 
and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Matthew tells us that right after the baby was born, Mary, the mother of Jesus, wraps him up in cloths and places him in a manger. Now, Matthew, the writer of this story, knows full well that every baby mama out there is going to hear him say that and say, excuse me? She wrapped him in what and placed him in where? And so he adds a little commentary to the story. Uh, She did that, ladies. Give her some grace because there was no guest room available for them. Now, there's some disagreement and debate on exactly what this means. Some think that just as the donkey's back was about to break, Mary's water broke. And so Joseph had to run around from inn to inn, hotel to hotel, just trying to find a place for them to stay. But you see, they're late to the game. They're late to the party. So every room has already been rented out. And no business owner wants to give them the time of day. Business is booming. This census is good for the bottom line. I'm sorry, we're all booked. That's what some believe this passage in the story means. Others would say, no, I don't think that a town like Bethlehem is going to have a main street full of great hotels and B&Bs. What most likely happened is that Joseph, upon finally arriving in Bethlehem, went to a family member's house, a long-lost relative of sorts. It's probably late at night. They're the last ones there. Everybody's already arrived, and so he knocks on the door. It's 3 a.m., let's say, and his wife is in labor pains in the back, and everybody's already in the house. They're already packed in the house like sardines. You can imagine 30 people sleeping in a guest room, right, laying on the floor next to next to next to next to each other. I mean, it's just a crazy scene. And Mary, who's already screaming, it's kind of late, like, I'm sorry, there's just no room for you here. But we do have some room out back. See, everybody in that culture would have had a guest room or a guest house on the side of the house. They also would have had a barn or a stable in the back. And so the family says, Joseph, you're so late, man. Where have you been? Everybody's already here. They're already asleep. There's just no room for you here. You guys got to go sleep out back. And it sounds so rude and inconsiderate. Doesn't it? It's like, she's about to give birth. But if the house is full, the house is full. You're not going to wake up 30 other people at 3 a.m. to get Mary into the house. Like, Mary, you got to go to the back. If there's just no room, there's just no room. And so God is, God's given the leftovers. God has given whatever little bit they had left. And what's true in the first, first century, what was true in the first century, is also true today, is it not? Our lives can look just like that guest room. In Luke 2, they can be so full, too full, in fact, that we're like, God, there's just no room for you here. You got to take whatever I got left. And it's like five minutes at the beginning of the day or right at the end of the day. I mean, think about this. Hobbies and housework, assignments and appointments, gizmos and gadgets, passions and projects, to-do lists, wish lists, bucket lists. Our lives are full. And it's not that we push God out of our lives. We don't ever give him opportunity to come into our lives. It's not that we're evil or that we're angry and we're like, get out of here, God. We're like, God, I'm sorry. There's just no room for you here. There's no space. My life is already so full of things. 
And so when God comes knocking on your door or on your heart, and he does so at inopportune moments, he kind of specializes in doing that. We're like, sorry, no room. You, you, could, you could have my leftovers. You can have a few minutes in the car as I'm shaving my face and going to work. You can have a, a few minutes as I read a half-page devotional as I also check my email at the same time. You can have my last few moments before my eyelids close and I'm out for the night. I'll give you that. You can have the barn. You can have the manger. There's just no room. There's no room for you in here, God. Now, you might be thinking that I'm stretching this story a little bit, this one little verse. Like, geez, he just said there's no room for them in the end. You're making a whole sermon out of it? Yeah, well, this isn't the only time we read about our busyness pushing God to the bottom of our priority list. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? It's a story of two women who knew Jesus and loved him, were, were around him a lot while he walked on the earth. And one day he's having lunch or dinner at their home and Martha is so busy working and cleaning and cooking and getting to her to-do list that she misses out on Jesus. He's right there in the room with them. But she doesn't hear his voice. She doesn't, she's not changed by his presence. Mary, on the other hand, puts away all the other things, puts aside all the other things, and just spends time with Jesus. Like the innkeeper or the guest house, the person with the guest house, Martha's life, her day, her list, they were just too full, and there was no room for God. And what a shame. Imagine, imagine with me the story in Luke 2. If it was rewritten just a little bit, if there was a room at the inn, I mean, you talk about being busy for a couple of days, maybe if it was a hotel, this place could have been busy for the rest of its existence because you put a banner up, Son of God, born here. Let me talk about a marketing opportunity. Or how about the family? Let's say it was a guest room. The family could have been the ones who welcomed God to the earth. We might have known them by name. Their home, their address, their story would have been told for all of eternity if they would have just said, of course, Mary, we'll make room for you. You are our top priority. Come in. Wouldn't the story read so differently then? But instead, we don't have no clue who they are because they said, there's just no room for you here, God. There's just no room. See, the Bible doesn't say stop and smell the roses, but it does say this, Isaiah 30, 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. But you, crazy, busy American culture, you would have none of it. Psalms says this, Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him. 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on all the earth. Look at Mark 6, 30 and 31. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to them all they had done and taught. They gathered around Jesus and said, look at our basket, Jesus. It is so full. Because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. And so Jesus said to them, come with me by yourself to a quiet place. Put your basket down 
and let's get some rest. All right, I added the basket part. It's not really in there, but I, I think you knew that. Church, here's the thing. The, the stuff that we're going to be talking about in this up series, in this upcoming year, they are going to require you to slow down. It's just that simple. To do the stuff that we're going to be talking about doing together as a church and to become the type of people that I think God wants us to become, we're going to have to make room. I can't say it any other way. You're going to have to go through this basket and put some stuff away and pull some, some, some stuff out and maybe even throw some stuff away. It's going to require that you carve time in your schedule, that you intentionally and frequently connect with God. Because if there's no space, if there's no time, if there's no room for him, you're going to miss out on him. You're going to miss out on all the stuff that he's got planned for you. So that's my resolution for this church, for myself even, going forward in this year. That quietness, rest, stillness would become a huge part of our lives, that we will go through the rooms and the boxes and the schedules and the calendars in our life and we will make some room for the Lord. We'll make him a priority. I read one author this week who said it this way. I love this. My brain has way too many tabs open right now. Maybe you feel like that too. Your brain just has so many tabs open. Church, you've got to spend the next couple of days and weeks closing some of the tabs. You have to be still. You have to wait on him. You have to make room for him. Or else you're just going to miss out. The story's going to go on, and it's not going to include you. So my hope, my challenge, close some of the tabs. Unlike the innkeeper, make some room. Unlike the family members of Joseph, clear out some space. Step away from the other tasks, unlike Martha was able to do. Like Israel, stop running. Stop fighting on your own. Stop pushing and clawing and trying to fight and win every battle that you face. Slow down. Make some space. Be alone. Be still. Make God priority this year. Because I think in 2017, God doesn't want you to do more. He wants to be with you more. And that will affect everything else that you do. So 2017, maybe it is the year you finally use that workout equipment for more than just hanging up your clothes. I mean, maybe. Although it works nice for that function too. Maybe this is the year you do drink your body weight or whatever you're supposed to drink in water every day. Maybe this is the year you eat more veggies and consume fewer donuts. Maybe. Maybe this is the year you read your Bible every day. Maybe this is the year. It could be. It could be. But maybe. Maybe 2017 is, is the year. Maybe it's the year you make some room for Jesus. Maybe it's the year you clean out some space and carve out some time and just be with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2.2, we'll end there this morning. For I resolved, Paul said, I resolved, I made a resolution to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I hope and pray that's your one resolution this year as well. Let me pray that over and get you out of here. God, 
Uh, our life is crazy. And it seems like it's getting crazier and crazier by the day, by the minute, even, Lord. There are lots of pressures and demands on all of us, Lord, from family to business to friendships, God, to hobbies, exercise, Lord, eating right, cleaning house, picking up the pieces that have been broken by other people in our lives, God. There are so many things going on, and those are good things, Lord. You don't, you don't call us to run up to the hills and live uh, like a monk in a monastery, God. You don't call us to separate ourselves from all that stuff, but you do call us to be with you. You do call us to balance out all of that stuff. You do call us to make sure that you are first in all that stuff. And so, God, help us. Some of our baskets are so big, we can't even carry them on our own, God. There's just so many things going on, and we're missing out, Lord. We're missing out on you. And so I pray this year, 2017, for every person in this room, but especially this church as a whole, that we make room for Jesus, that we allow him to come in and do what only he can do. Help us not to be like Martha or the innkeeper or the Israelites, Lord, running and working and pushing and fighting so hard that we miss you. Help us to not miss you this year, God. Come in. Please come into our hearts, into our lives, into this church, and do an incredible work this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. Families, thank you for having your little ones. A couple of things real fast. Be sure to put your dollar in the bin on the way out. We can start blessing some families in this new year. And downstairs, our kids' classrooms are still all decked out uh, with the different worship Christmas stations that we had the last couple of weeks. If you want to go down there and see what Shar and the kiddos did, you are uh, our guests and welcome to do that. Thank you guys. Happy New Year. God bless you. Be strong and courageous.